the energy and the the, the the positivity towards like the NWA and towards the show and stuff was just unbelievable. Billy's and, and, and Dave's vision to me so far has been very, very, very good. As much as it's a throwback, it's really just it's a format that works. And it's, honestly, it's the same format as every other wrestling show. It's just the environment is so different. They have been giving opportunities to people like me that haven't had an opportunity the way that we are here. It's a little bit old with the new. It's the most historic, longest running organization around. Man, I, I feel like we're setting things on fire at this point. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, we've got a lot happening, uh, so much to tell you about this week. But, of course, what's on the minds of everybody right now is the coronavirus. Uh, man, it is uh, really, it's getting crazy at this point with people reacting to what's happening here in the United States and, of course, around the world. And, uh, you know, I get it, and we really need to take this very seriously. You know, I uh, I do a news show in the morning, so I'm very aware of what's going on. I hear about it every single day and how the numbers are growing and that we really do have to take precautions. But at the same time, man, it is getting uh, just insane, insane out there. I mean, what's with the toilet paper? I don't get it. I, I just don't understand <laughs> Because if I'm thinking pandemic, I'm thinking, you know, you can't leave the house. Last item I'm thinking about, well, it would be on the list, but I'm not thinking about toilet paper. I'm thinking about food, uh, water, uh, you know, batteries maybe, you know, for flashlights. Or, but toilet paper? It's really people? That's what your, your first concern is, is I got to wipe my ass? I mean, <laughs> come on. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, I was at a, a Walmart here in my town Yesterday, the soap aisle was just cleared out. The the toilet paper aisle, the paper towels gone. And, uh, you know, like I said, this is something we have to take very, very seriously, especially you young people out there because saying, you know, they're saying that uh, young people aren't dying of this, children aren't dying of this. But you have to keep in mind, you can become a carrier. And, of course, uh, you're going to have older people in your life, your parents or your grandparents, and you could pass that on to them. And if they've got underlying conditions, you know, if they've got any kind of respiratory issues, if they've got asthma, uh, diabetics at the same time, you know, if, if they've got health conditions, it could become a, a you know, a serious uh, uh, threat to their lives. So we really do have to pay attention to this. And I hope that uh, you're all doing that. But at the same time, man, come on, let's let's keep it in context here. Uh, uh, you, you know, the, the flu every year, I think last year, claimed 40,000 lives in the United States. Already this year, we're approaching 20,000 from this flu season that only started in December. And uh, we've already lost uh, over 130 kids. So we've got to just keep it in context. Uh, we do, uh, I'll keep saying it a thousand times, we have to absolutely take it seriously but at the same time, we can't go overboard because, you know, you're, you're uh, depleting supplies that other people could use, these people with the masks and everything. Um, you know, get information. That's the best thing you, do, you can do, get information. Um, on top of it all, many of you may be spending more time at home, which is, which is great. I think that, you know, uh, that it's going to give us an opportunity to really decide what's important in our lives, our family and you know, uh, taking care of yourself, uh, doing all that, and and also you know being at home and catching up on things, chilling out, stress uh, a little lower the stress level, 
And uh, there is a lot of material out there for you to listen to, for us to entertain you. Primetime with Sean Mooney is here to do that. We've got, uh, you know, know, 150-plus original episodes now. Uh, This would be a good time to catch up. You know, uh, however you get to get it on your, uh, you know, your platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever your your podcast platform is, um, you can do that. Catch up on some episodes. I guarantee there's there's episodes that we've done that you uh, would love to listen to. Personalities that uh, you really really like and want to hear about their uh, their lives and their their stories and the paths they took to get where they are today. So, you know, check it out. Well, we'd love to have you do that. Um, also, we're putting up a lot more video content now, as you see right here, if you're uh, watching this, that, uh, you know, we're trying to do a lot more video content and also get more interviews with people on Skype through their video system. And uh, that's that's fantastic. If you're a Patreon member, uh, you're getting all this early and ad-free. And you can uh, check that out by just going to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney. And also... Um, you can, uh, you won't, you know, the material's not going to be up there as quickly as you'd get it through Patreon, but uh, YouTube, we've got a YouTube channel that's going that has all kinds of material up on there, and that channel is Primetime Mooney. Um, but, uh, you know, the big thing is uh, just take care of yourselves out there and take care of those uh, people that are near you. Um, you know, this is a good time for us to kind of sit back and mean, and, and really just look after each other. Um, we're just coming off. Uh, a great episode with Charles Robinson. Now, Charles Robinson is a legendary referee, both in the WCW and the WWE, and um, just has had a, a, a tremendous career, not just as the third man in the ring, but he's also actually been in the ring. And uh, I hope you listen to that episode. <laughs> it's just great hearing about being little Nate. And, uh, you know, who can say that they've had their, uh, you know, ribs broken and their vertebrae uh uh, misaligned by somebody by the name of Randy Savage. Uh, he he has that story to tell, and it's it's a great one. Uh, I hope that uh, you had a chance to check it out. If you haven't, you should. And uh, we've got uh, you know a, another great episode coming up this week, and it uh, features uh, another a conversation in our series of uh, of talks with uh, people from the new NWA and NWA Power. And uh, this week we're going to be talking with James Storm. So let's not waste any more time, right? Let's get to it. My conversation with James Storm. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, everybody. Joining the NWA broadcast team has opened up an entirely new world to me. And the best part about it is working with some of the most talented veterans still going out uh, out there and getting it done and uh, doing it their way. And that includes people like Trevor Murdoch, uh, Eli Drake, and my guest on this episode, and there are others uh, with that roster, but my guest on this episode of Primetime is James Storm. And James, welcome. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the NWA, and it's it's just been so much fun. Uh, you know, I've, I've only been to one taping so far, but I tell you, it it uh, it, it is just a blast. And, and uh, let's start there. Uh, you know, in your mind and from what you've seen so far, what's happening with the new NWA? You know, uh, I actually really enjoy it. And, you know, anytime I, I go and do different shows or whatever, everybody always comes up to me and, and says how much they're enjoying it, especially the yeah. old school feel and stuff like that. 
Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's a, so much fun. I mean, you can tell the guys were out there having fun. The audience is having fun with us. Uh, and it just makes for just a whole better experience, you know, in the ring, you know, in the locker room, uh, just, just everything. You know, and, and it really is a collective effort. It, you know, it seems like uh, everybody coming in has really uh, this feeling like they're really a part of it. And I know you had a relationship going in. You knew Billy from TNA. But how did you get brought into the, all of this? Uh, well, I was wrestling uh, Nick Aldis January, uh, January 2019. Uh and, uh, and we actually did a world title match in Clarksville, Tennessee, as a pop-up show. Uh, and they had talked to me a little bit about about the uh, the NWA kind of starting up this this show, uh, you know, toward the end of the year. And you know, if if I wanted to be part of it, if I didn't sign anywhere else, and I said, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to be part of anything I could do to help because I, I, you know, I grew up on watching USWA wrestling and NWA, so it was it was really cool to be part of it. You know, and, and you just mentioned Nick, and, uh, uh, you know, he is so much a part of what's going on with this, and I think a, a great champion and such a unique talent. Uh, but uh, did you see, you know, when they were putting this together, that uh, he certainly was a big believer, and you guys, you know, there's talent with this roster. I, I know they could be other places, but why why this this organization? Why why do you think Nick and people like you said, you know, yeah, I'm in? Well, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, as, as, when you wrestle as long as I have, too, it's really about having fun and, and just going out there and just, like, like I said, just, just having fun. And, you know, there's a business side of to it as well. But, you know, just me, especially, uh, it's really unique with the studio and stuff because when I started training with the USWA, I was supposed to wrestle uh, on one of their studio shows, but I actually mm. wanted breaking my shoulder during training, uh, you know, three months out before I was supposed to do the studio show. And then when I came back, you know, USWA had shut down and stuff. So so it was really cool to me to, like, walk into it for the first time and see the studio show and just see how it all was, you know, came together and stuff. And it's, it's always cool to be, some, be part of something from the beginning. Yeah, and you mentioned those studio shows, and uh, I remember them when I was a kid, too. Uh what what do you think it is though that here we are it's it's you know 2020 and you've been in that studio you've you've been around that that audience what do you think it is that people uh, enjoy it so much you think it's because of that uh, that feeling of history or because of the intimacy maybe it's all of that of, of what goes on at these shows yeah I think it's I think it's more of just the the intimate feeling that you get because you're right there on top of the wrestlers. You know, and they're not afraid to interact with the crowd. Uh, you know, you don't have this huge arena, you know, where you have to play to like, you know, thousands of people. You can play to these people here and, you know, and they respond, you know, to me, they're responding more and louder than some of these arenas that have thousands of people, you know, so. Yeah. No, it is, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but going in, and I'm sure they pitched you, they told you the idea, their vision. But going in, what did you expect? Were you just like, I, we'll see what happens? Or what was your feeling when you first got there? Yeah, you know, it was, you know, when I first got there, I was just like, oh, this is different than, you know, what I thought, you know. And then uh, when when we we were told we were going to be coming out without music, uh, you know, we just walk out. And uh, I was just like, I don't know how this is going to go over because so yeah. many people are just used to hearing that, you know, the first couple chords of a music and they know who's exactly coming out. 
And I think that has actually added to the element of surprise. You know, you never know who's going to walk out that curtain. It ain't just like, you know, okay, cue, hit the music. You know, it's, it's just, you know, walk out the curtain and it's up to you right then to get the people involved. And that, and to me, this is where you learn really, as they say, how to work. You know, not only are you working in that ring, but you're working that crowd as well. Yeah, it'd be a little tough to have pyro in that studio. So, uh, you know, that may not be coming anytime soon. Uh, let's talk about this roster, James. Uh, you know, when they started it, and I, I just imagine uh, Billy and Dave sitting around a table saying, saying, you know, we've got to put together this roster, but it's got to really be tremendous. We can't really have any bad steps here. And when you look at that roster, there's just uh, so many unique, different talents. They're all really skilled, and they're great in front of the microphone. And uh, what do you think about this roster that they've uh, they've been able to put together so, so far? You know, just just like you said, I mean, with all the guys they have, you know, from, you know, Ricky Starks and, and Trevor Murdoch and Nick and myself and Eli, uh, you know, and now they got the Pope coming in. And, you know, they just, you know, Eddie Kingston, all these guys, you know, they just they just needed to be given that platform again to remind people exactly how good they are. You know, and I think I think Billy knew that when he would reach out to these guys and see these guys be like, we just got to get these guys on board because we know that they can perform in the ring and also on the microphone. And, and you know, and they're, they're starting to find new stars as well with the, the circle squared that they have going on as well. So I think that's a really cool concept they got going on. And for you, you know, you've worked for a bunch of organizations over the years, you know, it's been a, a quite a journey. Um, but you really see with these guys, to me, because uh, my era, of course, was, you know, the 80s and 90s, that, you know, there in the early days of the WWF, there was a lot of creative freedom for the talent. Uh, they might direct them on a storyline, but that, you know, those were the days where the uh, wrestlers would step in front of a, a microphone, in front of a camera, and have to do a promo. So do you feel that same uh, creative freedom? And I've witnessed it, but uh, do you feel it? That's what's going on here. Definitely. And, you know, as you know, you've been there. there, there there's no pre-taping. You know, we, 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 no. Go there, we don't we don't pre-tape. You know, you're, you're just sitting out there and you're, you know, you, uh, that's what you were hired to do is be able to cut a promo, you know, either before the match or after the match and also work or whatever. And I think that's what a lot of guys like as well is that creative freedom. You know, they can go to Billy and pitch an idea. And Billy is open enough to say, you know, well, let's try it this way. Or he'll say, hey, okay, we'll do it this way, but if it doesn't work, we're going to come back around this way. And so I think he he gives the guys creative freedom to, you know, because no one really knows someone's character as well as they do, you know. And to me, that person has to believe in their character and if they can come up with some stuff. And also some of the stuff that Billy has as well and, you know, just come together, you know, that's what makes a great character and a great show. Yeah, and absolutely, and you you see it. I mean, uh, watching those those tapings, and uh, you know, folks, when they when they uh, do these uh, hours, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And I know going into the segments that they don't really know how long they're going to be. A lot, you know, you guys will go out there for you know to cut a promo, and uh, when you're feeling it, they just let you go. And you and if you've seen the the ones lately with you you and uh, Eli, 
that's exactly what's going on because you come out and you know they say we got two minutes and that thing goes on for six and are you really are you feeling that now when you're out there that uh, you're really connecting not only with the audience but uh, you know like Eli and everybody else you're working with? Yeah, I think that you know you just hit it. It's like the thing with me and Eli is like we really don't know what we're gonna say when we. Yeah. Get well, you got to hit this bullet point and this bullet point. Billy says, go. <laughs> All right. So we just go out there and we just ramble off some stuff off the top of our head. And with me and Eli, we've been able to play off each other back and forth and stuff. And, you know, as well as with the crowd and have fun with the crowd. And it's just seemed to seem to be working. Yeah. I mean, a, a classic example is the, the Crockett Cup beer mug. <laughs> I don't think that was planned. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I did not know how heavy that thing was. Until uh-huh. so I tried to pick it up, I was like, "Guys, you don't have to help me hold this and drink uh-huh. it." It was, it was, it's heavy. Yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff to see. Uh, we'll get back to what's going on with you now, but I, I really, I mentioned this journey you've been on, and I, I, I know it's seventeen plus years now. But uh, take me back to where it all began, uh, Tennessee, and and uh, you know, and your your life growing up. I, I know early on it wasn't easy. I think you, you lost your father early on. Uh, tell me about growing up. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was it's pretty rough because I lost my father when uh, when I was twelve years old, and it was just one of those things where my my dad and my mom were divorced divorced, and my dad's side of the family kind of blamed my father's death. Oh, my mom, for some reason, I don't, I don't know why he was in an accident with a, he was driving a dump truck and it was before they had the, the crossings at railroads and stuff. And he was, and, and he was a, it was a blind side and he was coming through and a train to hit his truck. And, uh, wow. and, and the, the one thing that came out of that that really stuck with me all my life is because, uh, he had to go in and have surgery and have a tube put in his throat and the doctors told him that he would never walk and talk again and all this stuff. And the best memory I have is being with my dad when he started to walk. And there was a store that's right up the street. And me and him walked all the way up to the store and bought some one-cent gum and then walked back. And it was just one of those moments where I was just like, my dad can do that when doctors told him he couldn't. Then that means that I can do anything I want. You know, I have two perfectly good legs and arms. I can do whatever I want in this life. And that just kind of stuck with me. And then uh, when when I was 18... Uh, after I graduated school, I was going to go to Austin P on a, uh, and play basketball. And yeah. then I came home one weekend and I saw a commercial for USWA wrestling saying, Hey, do you want to be a professional wrestler? Do you want to travel the world to be rich and famous? I'm like, they're talking to me, <laughs> you know? So I went up there and, uh, Jeff was there at the time, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jared Jarrett, uh, uh, Eddie Marlin was up there and, uh, you know, there was a, a bunch of other guys and we all signed up and stuff and, and started training, uh, under the USWA. And then, uh, like three months in, I winded up breaking my shoulder and had a compound fracture on my right shoulder. So I winded up losing all the basketball scholarship and stuff like that. So once I got better, uh, you know, I just pursued wrestling as much as I could. I had to find another way to get into it because the USWA school has shut down so i wanted up going up to a, uh, this uh, indie show in columbia tennessee and a guy named shane morton uh was running uh he wasn't he was running the show he didn't run the training school and i, I talked to him and he said that he would help me out and, and finish training me and, and stuff like that and he is uh the nephew of, of ricky morton 
So, so we trained out in this backyard uh, all the time and stuff. And uh, and then November first, nineteen ninety-seven, I had my first match. Only fault. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, uh, you kind of brushed by this quickly. I mean, but you were quite an athlete uh, growing up. I know. Uh, I I think you did also some amateur wrestling in in high school. You weren't this big, massive kid in high school. I was uh, uh, a little scrawny guy. You know, even when uh, uh, when I started wrestling, it was it was crazy because they actually told me before they would let me wrestle at their show that I had to put on some weight and I had to look like a wrestler. So uh, I was just eating light bread like every day. <laughs> working out trying to gain weight and stuff so yeah i had to you know they, they they made me get tight before they let me wrestle so it was it was really old school yeah well you, well you mentioned uh you you got that uh, drive to never give up uh, early on in your life um did you think that that ath- uh, athletics would be your your ticket i mean was it something that you felt you might have the skill but i mean you're a small kid so uh you know when did that a realization come that, you know, maybe I'm going to have to find another path. I mean, I know that you got this scholarship, but yeah. then it didn't work out. You know, I, I seriously thought it was uh, when I broke my shoulder. And, you uh-huh. know, I, that, because uh, right after I broke my shoulder, like I still had to work. So I found my my uncle runs uh, a big construction company here in Tennessee. And so I actually, he let me come work, work with him and stuff like that until my shoulder got better, and even after my shoulder got better, and then while I was training and stuff uh, to keep trying to make it, you know, I, did, I worked, you know, construction with him, uh, running a track hoe and a backhoe and stuff. So. Yeah, and the reason that's why I I, I bring that up because, you know, it, it pretty much every conversation I have with uh, guys that uh, you know enter the business and find success. Uh, those early days, and you, you got to think about when you first start out and telling people, yeah, I'm going to be a professional wrestler, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, good luck with that. Uh, just how tough it is to, especially in the beginning when you've got to uh, initially find a school and hope that it's good enough that's going to prepare you for some kind of professional career. Right. So, uh, you know, how tough was it uh, early on? It was, I mean, it was, <laughs> when you say tough, it was really tough. Yeah. Like, I was lucky enough that the guy that trained me was running the, the one in Columbia, Tennessee, and he actually uh, got booked in different places and stuff, and he would take me along with him, and I would, you know, I'd wrestle, you know, first on the on the card or whatever, and, you know, i get paid 10 bucks, you know. And, and, uh, 10 bucks. And, of course, I had to do all the driving. Like we, I remember going to Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, uh. getting 10 bucks and driving five hours back, you know. It's just and, and it was just kind of one of those things, I, you know, I drive to Arkansas, Kentucky, and Missouri, you know, for little or nothing, you know, just, uh, just to get my feet wet and just learn different, you know, wrestling stuff from different people. Yeah. And at what point, like you said, it was 10 bucks and 5 bucks, and probably didn't get enough to cover your gas. When did that start to change? Because at some point... Uh, you start realizing, okay, I have I, I have an aptitude for this, whether or not anybody else is realizing it. At what point did it turn for you, and and where you felt like, you know what, I I think I might be able to make a living at this. Yeah, it was, you, you know, I'm not always tell people, uh, you know, anytime I go to like any of these indie shows, I'm like, guys, don't get in it just to wrestle on the weekends. Like, get in it to try to make a living at it, because that's the show's respect. To the other people that came before you, you know, I always hate people like, well, I just, I just do it on the weekend. Like to me, like 
No, that's that's not a professional wrestler. You know, the professional wrestlers are the ones who make their living doing it. You know, they don't have to work another job because this is what they do for a living. Uh, and, you know, and I wrestled about three years, and then I met a guy uh, in Nashville by the name of Burt Prentice, and he was running a USA wrestling show, but he was also doing a lot of stuff with WCW, uh, and they mm-hmm. were they would bring a lot of their talent down to Bert and they would work with us and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, we had guys, you know, like myself and Chris Harris and AJ Styles and Abyss was there. And like Bert really had a really good crew. And so then I remember uh, they, WCW was doing a show somewhere and one of the security guards hurt his knee. So someone from WCW contacted Bert and said, hey, do you have some workers that we can use to dress up as security guards? So they know how to bump, so, you know, we're not using real guys or whatever. So we started going up to WCW uh, every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Like, we would do the Nitro and then we'd do the Thunder. That was kind of my first taste because we were actually making more money than some of the contracted talent. Like I was making a thousand dollars a show, and then I and then I'm good friends with Shannon Moore and Shane Helms and stuff, and I'm yeah. finding out these guys were making seven fifty. You know, <laughs> they're like, wait, wait, I'm like, I don't. And, know. and you're working basically as enhancement. Yeah, and so <laughs> we were actually doing, uh, and then they they trans they they started using us as R and B security, Russo yeah. Bischoff security, yeah. and so like we we was doing that for a long time, and you know we were there until it shut down. Yeah. So was it a matter of timing, at least with the WCW, because it, it sounded like you were progressing and then yeah. the whole thing goes to shit? <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah they, you know, they started, you know, uh, we would do security on the Monday night nitros. Yeah. And then under we would work like I worked with Chronic and, and Chavo Guerrero and and all these guys, and Hugh Morris and stuff. I worked with all these guys on Thunder. And then, you know, you know and it it, like I said, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Once they sold out, you know, WWE didn't pick none of us up. So, uh, so then, you know, I came back home for a year and was doing construction with my uncle again. And then uh, Jeff Jarrett started up TNA and gave me a call and was like, "Hey, we need somebody to play a cowboy character. Are you in?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, let's yeah. do it." <laughs> so, wow. and, then, and then you know, I just kept you know trucking along with uh, TNA. Yeah, and uh, you 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 made a home there. I mean, you you found a home uh, there for I think uh, twelve years or so. Um, how did that? What you know when they were first putting that together? Because you were there, one of the originals. Yeah. Uh, you know, was it a real slow start to TNA? Did, did, how did it? Uh, what were the the beginnings of that? Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy because the first pay per view, uh, I think it was the first two because they filmed two pay per views at night. We're in Huntsville, Alabama at this, at the big arena. Yeah. And so we, you know, there we are wrestling in front of, you know, all these people. And we're like, all right, this is cool. Okay. We finally made it to the big time, you know, we're in the arena. And then three weeks, yeah, three weeks later, you know, we're at the Nashville Fairgrounds, you know, uh, we're at the Nashville Fairgrounds and, and they're in there painting the whole thing black. So it just looks bigger and, and everything. We're like, well, I don't know how long this is going to last. And then you always yeah. read the rumors on the Internet. Well, they're only going to last this week. They're going to shut down next week. And this tape on, tape on. And, and it was really cool because, like I said, we had all this talent that was out to prove that, you know, they belong on a big stage, you know. And, uh, and you know, we'd go out every week just hungry and 
you know, just do our stuff. Yeah, and, and it did have, did it have that feel to it then that, uh, you know, allowing you guys this creative feeling, feeling and that you guys were, you know, do, you know, starting something from the ground up? Yeah. And, and like I said, it was, it was just one of those feelings like we were there from the beginning. And so it was really cool to see, see it grow, you know, go from, uh, you know, the weekly pay-per-views to, uh, the Fox Sports Net to, you know, Spike TV, you know, and it was, and then when we got to Spike TV, we just, we felt like rock stars because we were seen by all these people. And that's when, you know, I would go to different stores or airports and people would start recognizing me a lot more and stuff. And I was like, all right, it's finally kicking in. It's finally, all this hard work is finally paying off. Did you uh, have a, a more of an aptitude to be a, a tag team wrestler or did you just kind of fall into it and it, and it kept working because, uh, you know, you, you took America's most wanted to, uh, uh, the biggest heights you could do there with the TNA, uh, you know, with all, all the, what, six tag team titles. Did you just, you know, feel you were a better tag team wrestler or? No, I just, that... uh, I just fell into it, which was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up, I always watched, you know, the rock and roll express, the midnight express, all these guys and, and demolition. Yeah. Like Demolition was one of my favorite, you know, tag teams, you know, in the Road Warriors and stuff like that. And, but, you know, and it was one of those things where at the beginning of the TNA, they signed us, uh, me and Chris Harris, but they didn't yeah. know what to do with us. And Bert actually went to Jerry and said, why don't you just stick those guys together for a little while and just see, see what happens, you know. And just over time, we just we just made it work. You know, because not every wrestler can do it. There real there is an an art to it. Art to it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You see a lot of guys, especially single wrestlers, they just want to get in there and they just want to kind of do their own stuff and, yeah. and not like that. Like you, you really need to work as a tag team, not just tag in. Okay, here you do a bunch of things and then tag me out. You know, and I, I hate when I see stuff like that. So why why do you think uh, you two work so well, you and Chris? I, I think, I, I think it's, you know, same way with the way me and Bobby Roode work together. I think we were so different that it just works. The same way with Eli. Like it, like me and Eli are completely opposite people, but somehow we, we're making it work, you know. And, it's, it's, and, I, and I think that's the chemistry is, you know, you don't always have to have guys who think alike and act alike or whatever, you know. Like, as I say, opposites attract. And, you know, with me and Chris – it was one of those things too where we had to make it work. You know, if we didn't, we felt like we were going to be released. Uh, so, you know, uh, we started, you know, coming, we came up with America's Most Wanted and started doing other stuff, whatever. And, uh, and it just, it just started clicking, you know, and, and like slowly I would change, uh, you know, little stuff in, in my cowboy gimmick or whatever, just try to keep it fresh and stuff like that as well. You know, and you you were pretty young during those those early years there, and you know TNA had a lot of rosters, some really great veterans roll through there. Uh, who were some of them that that helped you along the way uh, at that time? Yeah, it was uh, you know it was really cool because I got to work with you know Scott Hall and Kevin yeah. Hatt, and one of the guys that really helped me the most, well, two guys actually, but one of them was Mr. Perfect and Dusty Rhodes. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to beat those two guys. Oh, you know? Yeah. They're, they're mentoring you, you know, and it was just, uh, cause I remember like Mr. Perfect would like, he pulled me back, uh, after I had this match. And when you go out and you have a good match, you come back, and you're feeling good or whatever. And then all of a sudden I hear storm, get over here. I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> yeah. and he pulled me over there and he just, he, he, he 
taught me a lesson. It's like if a guy's shoulders down on the mat, don't pick him up to run another spot. He goes, you pin him. He goes, you keep pinning him until he feeds up and then you can go into your spot. And that's just one of the things that I just kind of learned along the way. And then, you know, Dusty being there a lot, and he, he would pull me aside and, and, and help me out so much too. So it was, it was, like you said, it was really cool. And, you know, Jake came in, uh, and I, you know, I talked to Jake about, you know, promo help and stuff like that. And he taught me a lot about, you know, doing some promos and delivery. Uh, you know, don't, you know, you don't always have to yell at the no. camera. You see so many guys like, ah, yeah. you know, and, and like Jake always, never yelled <laughs> because you wanted to turn the TV up to hear what he was saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know like, oh, it's so creepy. And, and so it was just, you know, it's just small things like that, like guys like that that came along and just helped me out tremendously. You know, and I was really pleased to hear you say uh, when you were asked uh, who your you know, all-time favorite was was Kurt. And uh, you know, during the time when I was I worked with the World Wrestling Federation, you know, and there were some greats there. And I don't take anything away from them. I loved Randy. I thought Bret Hart was tremendous. But Kurt, for me, overall. I thought he was the best because of the way he could, uh, his promos, the way he could, he sold in the ring and would help put guys over just incredibly. And, uh, what was it though? So for you, uh, why was, why was, is he your number one? I, I think that like, like you just said, the way that like he was sell for people, oh, you, man. you know, cause you're, you're like, Oh my God, like that looked like he hurt. You know, I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, something like that. And I was just, just watching him sell around and just bump and feed for guys. It was just, it was just crazy, you know, just, just watching him. And then, like you said, as, as watching his promos and stuff like that. And then, you know, when he, when he took the time out to, you know, talk to me, the new guy who he didn't really have to, you know, it was like we became pretty close, like, you know, before his death at, you know, so it was, it was really, really cool. Yeah, and uh, he really uh, just could do it all. I mean, that whole, you know, somebody else could have been given that gimmick, Mr. Perfect, and no one been able to pull it off. But I remember when they shot those vignettes, like the first before they really even released the character, you know, let him out. And I just remember seeing those, you know, before they put him on TV and thinking, he's already there. If they before he steps into the ring, when they put a couple of these out there, he's already they're already gonna he's gonna have so much heat. Yeah, he was. And, and he could pull it off. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, other ones that I know you mentioned and had some great matches uh, with, with Kurt Angle was another person. And I've, uh, you know, the fact that where he came from and then was able to accomplish what he was able to do in the ring in, in a relatively short period of time to transition and become a professional wrestler. You don't see that very often where they're just not, you know, just brawlers who go out there and, you know, knock people over. Yeah, he was, uh, Kurt was, was always good. I, I, I traveled a lot with Kurt when, uh, yeah. when he was driving around stuff and we'd have long talks, you know, and he, he would fill me in on a lot of stuff. And he, he was one of the guys that would be there at the curtain watching the opening match all the way until he had to go out, you know, and he would give guys feedback as well, you know, so, it was it was really cool, and I remember one time Kurt was in the ring, just you know he just wrestling around by himself, you know, and, uh, and I was just like, "Hey, you want some of me, old man?" He's like, "Well, get on in here." And I was like, "I got a wrestling background, I can take you." Yeah, no. Yeah. 
learned real quick there's a difference between high school and and the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. He put me in a pretzel so fast. And I remember when uh, when he came in uh, to TNA and we was having a battle royal and he, he was going to uh, give me a German suplex and he was going to throw me out of the ring. I was like, well, maybe maybe if I sandbag him a little bit, <laughs> I won't go as far out of the ring. It did not. No. <laughs> he popped his hips. And, and I always tell guys, like, you, you know guys like Kurt, like they know how to use their body. And, you know, when they when they arch and pop those hips, you're, you're going no matter what. Yeah. But one, one thing you see, though, with guys like that is uh, they don't know how not to shoot sometimes. And did, did he learn how to work well in the ring that yeah. way? Or? But I would say, man, his, his punches would kill you. <laughs> like, like, I would always tell him, please hit me with your shoot punch because your working punches are killing me. Right now. <laughs> Just go ahead and hit me. Yeah. But and I also learned a lot from Kurt, especially when uh, you know you had this serious Olympic wrestler, but then stuff that he would do with Steve Austin, where he was doing comedy and stuff like that. Like I just thought that was golden as well. And so I would. Yeah. Talk to him about you know delivery on that and stuff. So he he helped me out a lot as well. Yeah, but uh, uh, one more thing I'd Kurt though, and I, it just came to mind. I just remember uh, th- that match with him and Shane, and uh, I just watched, sending I just, one I just watched a documentary on the WWE Network. Yeah. Today. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> when he's trying to get him through the window and. He doesn't want to do it. It's Shane who keeps saying, go, we're going to do this. And my God, I mean, I, you know, I, I still to this day, I, you watch what Shane does. And I'm just like, dude, you know, if you have a death wish, do you not want to be walking when you're yeah, 60? They were, they were saying, uh, I guess uh, Vince was yelling at him, don't throw yeah. him through another window or whatever. Because <laughs> they didn't rig it right or something, you know, like the window didn't, yeah, you know, it, wasn't it, set. Like he threw him the one, it didn't break. Then he threw him, and it broke. Then he went to do it on the other side, back out, it didn't break. So he threw him head first, and the rest were, and they got to the back, and the referee was like, "Didn't you hear me tell you that Vince said no more?" He goes, "Well, I can't hear in this ear." Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, that's unbelievable, though. That 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 to me, when I that's what I think of Kurt Angle is just how that that match was just just insane. Uh, so with with TNA, uh, I, you know, there for a long time, but at some point you got an opportunity to go to the WWE. Uh, how did that come about? Were you ready for a change, and and then what happened? Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, I, it was kind of one of those things. Like I felt like I've done just about everything I could do yeah. at TNA, uh, and I just I mean, wanted- this is this is 2016 around there, right? Yeah, and then. Uh, uh, you know, it was, I think I left like in April or May, I think. No, June. And then right at the end of July, uh, Road Dog, uh, had texted me and asked me, uh, because they had an NXT show here and I went up to see it or whatever. And, uh, and so me and Road Dog was texting back and forth. And then I guess, uh, Hunter had messaged uh, the agent that was doing the uh, NXT show and said, hey, ask Storm if he wants to come to NXT next week. And I was like, yeah, of course. So, you know, I went down there and, and worked and everything. They were happy with it. Uh, I mean, they, they even sent me a contract. And then that was, that's about two months later. And then went back down and worked again uh, right before, you know, I was supposed to sign the contract. 
And it was just one of those things where, uh, like, my, like, so much went on in that two months, uh, that we were talking contracts and stuff that I just couldn't be, like, on the road as much as Hunter was telling me NXT was going to be because me and my wife was trying to have another kid. She, like, had to do the shots and stuff like that. I knew if I had, you know, went back, then, you know, there might not have been a chance for me to have another kid with her. And I knew that's what she wanted. So I just had to take my chance. And I, and then Hunter called me, uh, uh, and just said, Hey, I want to talk to you, see if you, you know, reconsider and stuff. I was like, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do. Mm. I told him, I was like, I like, I never had this problem getting off the phone with a man. I was like, I was like, I so badly want to say yes, but I know that I can't. Uh, in my heart, and he just told me, he goes, look, he goes, I'll tell you what, he goes, I know TNA offer you a deal, guaranteed money, he goes, take that deal, get yourself in the best shape you can, he goes, and, you know, if you want to come back, he goes, give me a call, and we'll see if we can work something out once that deal's up. So I said, okay, well, thank you very much, man. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get my date straight. I guess it was October 2015 I'm seeing here. I think that was right. And so it was within a matter of months, but you obviously impressed them. I mean, you've got uh, Hunter calling you and leaving a door open. Yeah, it, and you know, and like I said, that was I thought that was really cool of him just to say, "Hey, just go get your shit together and get in the best shape of your life, and then call me back and let's see if we can do stuff." You know, if you want to come back. So it's just one of those things that you know. I, and, and now looking back, everybody's like, "Oh, you regret it." I'm like, "No, I don't." Like, you know, I've got my son, and that's really what I wanted. Yeah, and, and so, family. Yeah, I got, you know, because wrestling is going to go away sooner or later, you know, and to me, like, you know, I got my family here, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, has there been any other, you said that he said when you, if you want to come back, has there ever been another opportunity or yeah, other, know, other uh, things have come along? Yeah, we, we've, we've talked and stuff and it's just, and he told me, he goes, I want to find the right fit for you. I just don't want to just bring you in and you wind up getting lost in the shuffle or something, you know? Yeah. And I, Hey, that's great. I said, well, you have my number. You know, anything you guys need, just let me know. So when you went back to, to TNA, was it not the same anymore? I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say the same or, but it wasn't, was it not the same anymore? Like, it was, to me, it was horrible. Huh. <laughs> I mean, the money was great. I was, I was, it was guaranteed money, but it was just one of those things where, you know, you had like three or four different people trying to buy the company. You didn't know like who was in charge. You didn't know who to go to. Uh, there was just there was just like I say, way too many uh, Indians running around and not enough chiefs. Um, and, and it's one of those things where I, uh, like I said, I'm making a, a lot of money, guaranteed. And I was off TV for like six months mm-hmm. for some concussion angle that they came up with, <laughs> you know. And, and I even went to, uh, Ed Norton at the time and said, Hey man, look, I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but if I was paying somebody guaranteed money and a lot of it, he'd be on every episode yeah, like, right. doing something. Yeah. You know? And, and it, that's how it was like the whole time. And I remember like Bobby Lashley, like getting mad. He's just like, he's like, this is BS. He's like, you're, you're the best baby face talker that we have here and they don't even have you on the show and i was like yeah man like i just they just fly me down here and i just sit here and eat catering like it was it was horrible you know like i know i'm getting paid but still i want to go out there and perform you know so is it uh you know uh i guess billy's still there then right is that uh 
you know, I don't know what the rumblings were initially or in your relationship with Dave, but were they talking then, you know, maybe we'll start something from here or what was going on at the time as far as people? Because, you know, I think people were starting to see that this is not going to end well. Yeah, like, you know, I tried to stay out of that as much as I could. You know, there was, you know, everybody had a different version, and you never know until you go talk to the people directly. Yeah. Uh, I just, I think I just kind of felt weird. Just, you know, I just want to see where the pieces landed, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, I, I guess the Harris brothers and, uh, then Billy and then Ed Norton and them, I, and then I, I know, like, I guess Billy pulled out, and then finally the Harris brothers was like, nah. And then so I guess Ed got it, but default. <laughs> so, uh, and it was just one of those things where I actually informed TNA before, like, about a quarter of the way of my second year that I was there on the contract that, you know, I didn't want to resign. I, you know, once this year is up, I, you know, I just want to just leave, you know, and, and I, you know, left on good terms and everything. So, you know, they, they asked me to, you know, come back and do the, the TNA show, you know, cause I, you know, I, I got a lot of friends there and like I said, I left on good terms, but it's just yeah. one of those where, you know, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff with uh, the NWA right now. So. And at that point, what were you thinking was the future for you? Were you going to just, you, you know, I was just, I was, just, I was really just going to take some time off and just do indies here and there and just, you know, just I like, I stayed booked a lot like I'm, I'm doing a show at least one show every weekend if not two or three yeah. uh i mean i st- i stayed really busy and, and now i started doing some movies as well so it's yeah, just really- yeah i was going to ask you about that is another part of this is uh uh performing uh and being an actor uh how how serious are you taking that I, I'm, I'm I'm taking it pretty really serious because I you know I have a, a agent now and acting coach that I'm going to and stuff and uh, I was uh, I was the lead killer the head killer in uh, this movie that I shot in October and then uh, this other director had seen my uh, some of my stuff on Instagram and called me and was like hey we have uh, a part for the lead male in this movie if you want to fly to Australia for two and a half weeks and do it. I was like, yep, sure do. So, yeah. you know, they flew me to Australia, paid me very well. And it was really cool because I was like, uh, I was an MMA fighter that wound up getting injured uh, and then, you know, making a comeback and stuff. So it was really cool. So how how's the, uh, your life as a, as a professional wrestler helped you as far as being an actor? Did Because I imagine going into that, I don't think you'd had much you know, quote, acting experience. How did that help you? I think, I think really with just like, uh, not being afraid to be in front of a camera, you know, like, because with acting, you know, you, you gotta act like the camera's not there. You know, a lot of times in wrestling, like, you know, we gotta talk into the camera or whatever, but for the majority, like when you're in the ring doing stuff, like you, you act like the camera's not there, even though you're playing to the camera, like you don't, you know, so it, it really helped me with camera work and stuff like that. And also like delivering lines, you know, like how to deliver them if I need to deliver them more forceful or just, you know, easier. So that helped me out as well. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a lot more than that too. Though. What, what about though becoming a character? Because you've been a performer your, your entire life, basically. Yeah. You know, I just kind of, I, I do, I actually do like some research on what, 
I would think that character is, or I asked the director what his thought is on that character. And I was actually trying to put myself in that mindset for like two weeks to try to just, and just live like that character for two weeks. I got a bunch of questions here. I wanted to, I put out a uh, word that I was going to be talking to you in an hour and my, uh, my account blew up here. So I'm hoping I could throw some at you. All right, I and they're, they're all over the place, James. Leave me. So if you see me moving, I'm running downstairs to get my charger. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay, so uh, and amazingly, uh, in, <laughs> as I say uh, sarcastically here, there's a few questions about beer on here. Uh, sure. Paul Albertson, Paul Albertson wants to know what's James' favorite beer when he's in Britain. Uh, you know, you a, I, a brains I, yeah. or a Guinness. No, actually, I drink uh, this cider or, you know, usually when I'm overseas in England, I don't really drink as much beer as I do Jack Daniels. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm a. Why is that your flavor of choice across the pond? Uh, yeah, like Jack Daniels or, you know, I, I'll drink a, a, some kind of cider or something. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Lord Alfred Hayes would have loved uh, – Sitting out at a table with you having a, a little nip, as he would say with Jack Daniels, he would go for that. <laughs> well, I think uh, I out with the because Kurt, that's all he would drink would be Jack Daniels. <laughs> really? So that's all we would. He would actually make me gargle it for ten seconds, <laughs> and it, it was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. now, Alfred would have uh, scotch with the ginger ale on the side, but the the scotch would be neat. So. He would have loved to have had a few with you. Uh, Jason Bayless says, uh, your opinion on how WWE is using Bobby Roode right now? You know, I, I, you know, some people don't like it or whatever. I think it's a good fit for him uh, to be like in because he, he's in a, uh, a little group right now with uh, Dolph Ziggler and King Corbin. So mm -hmm. you know, I think it kind of fits the, the glorious gimmick, you know, where they think they're better than everybody else, which is really cool. Uh, so, I mean, and plus, you know, he's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he's around, he's surrounded by some good people. I, I really like, uh, Dolph Ziggler. I don't yeah. think that he's ever really been utilized as, as much as he, he could be. Uh, Rick Hennig says, uh, when did James first hear that NWA was going to do a show, NWA Power? Uh, like I said, back in, uh, January of 2019 when they did the pop up show. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. They were 100% sure, but they, you know, they came to me and was telling me about, uh, you know, them starting up a, a new show and stuff that they wanted to use me. Yeah. Well, it has uh, certainly become popular very quickly, and you've uh, helped that happen. Um, let's see, Instagram, uh, a wrestling history, I guess. Uh, your favorite America's Most Wanted and uh, Beer Money tag match. Uh, you know, that's two. I think you have to choose from one or choose one or choose one from each. <laughs> uh, well, I know, uh, with America's most wanted, it was, uh, it was, uh, six sides of steel with me and Chris Harris versus, uh, Elix Skipper and Christopher Daniels. It was the first cage match TNA had in Orlando. And it was when, uh, Elix walked the top of the cage. Yeah. It was definitely a really cool sight to see. To me, Elix is one of those, guys who was i mean just really underrated like he was yeah. so good so uh but but far as uh beer money i would have to say it was probably the uh it was actually uh 
uh, the best of five series with the Motor City machine guns that we had. I mean, we just went out there and just tore it down with those guys. Killed it. Uh, Kent Ward wants to know, does Cowboy drink craft beer? If so, which ones? The craft beer fan? Yeah, no, not really. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bud fan, you know. I'm a Bud. <laughs> Daniels Keep it simple. That's it. <laughs> Is that what you had in the bottles at uh, the last, the last yeah. two? Was it Bud in the, in the? Yeah, and I'll, I'll show you something that uh, a lot of people don't, don't know. I actually have a, Tap here at my house. <laughs> what, Bud we're surprised here? That you would... With Bud Light and Coors Light. So. <laughs> oh, well, you got something for everybody there. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, got to keep them cold. That's great. Uh, let's see. What does? Uh, what do you think of? Uh, is the best wrestling video game of all time? The TNA wrestling video game because I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I, what else know, would I, it be? I don't, I don't really play a lot of wrestling video games. You know, I, I'm more of a you know Madden uh, or something like that or Call of Duty guy. So, yeah, and uh, we we already know uh, Mike Murdoch says uh, your favorite beer. We know it's Bud. I mean, is it your favorite beer or just uh, one that's most accessible? <laughs> yeah, it's usually <laughs> the one most accessible. My favorite beer. I usually don't. I, I, I'm not that big of a, I'm not that picky. Usually a cold beer is my favorite beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know when the bouncers came in and they were, I, I, it was, they were supposed to do a run out there and I think you had one beer left. You're like, I need this. We've got one more, one more <laughs> promo to cut. <laughs> I was like, I'd yeah, given that up. I need this one. Like, cause uh, like they, they had got them beer, but forgot to give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that with those two. Uh, Tranquillo says, hi, James, big fan. If you had to pick one current wrestler and one legend to have a main event match with, who would you choose and why? Wow. Uh, if I, like current wrestler, I would probably have to pick Randy Orton. Uh, really? Guy, I yeah. mean, he, like, to me, he's one of those guys that can really kind of just do it all. And he's a storyteller. You know, he, he don't have to go out there and do all these moves. He can tell a story, you, you know, just, just like, uh, you know, Dusty would always tell me, like, uh, the most important move is the move in between moves. He goes, your facial. He goes, and, you know, Randy Orton had, you know, great facials. And so I just think, you know, me, me and him can have a great match. But, uh, you know, as far as legend, uh, you know, it's probably two, like, either, either be, uh, Mr. Perfect or, uh, Sean Mark. All right, now you you won the NWA uh, World Tag Team Champion uh, Championship along with Eli in uh, January. Uh, this question it wants to know uh, this uh, Sunset Boy Forever says, Mister Stern, will you ever be NWA World's Heavyweight Champion? You know, it's uh it's one of those things that uh, eluded me, and you know, hopefully hopefully I'll get another shot, and hopefully I win it. But it's one of those things where if it doesn't happen, like. I, I won't cry over it, but I mean, if it does happen, I'll be very happy. I want it. Yeah, and what is what does Nick Aldis bring to uh, the National Wrestling Alliance? Uh, you know, I think he brings that certain swagger. You know, he just, you know, he he he's always coming out there in the suits and stuff. You know, I, I don't want to say he reminds me of Ric Flair, but kind of in a sense, you know, yeah. he, he he does. You know, he. He he's out there talking all these fancy words and everything in his suit and stuff, and and he can back it up in the ring as well. 
You know, and there was something that I saw it on Twitter where uh, they were asking wrestlers, you know, if you want to know me, uh, you have to know these 10 wrestlers. And it was really interesting to see. He, he put out a list and, and uh, looking at it, you could, you could see how all of those people mentioned Ric Flair and all these others that were on there that had uh, an influence in him. And I, I really, I think that uh, really he combines everything yeah. that uh, makes a great champion because he has such respect for the business and he is all about uh, helping those around him too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that's what I, anytime I do a seminar or something like that, I always try to tell people like, this is a, this is a business where you have to learn that, you, you know, you can't be selfish, even though, you know, it's just natural for us to be selfish because we're looking yeah. out for ourselves as well. But, you know, you still have to help others out as well. And, uh, you know, because if not, then you're going to run out of, to me, you go run out of good people to work. <laughs> Yeah, and I know you say, uh, you know, advice to uh, other young wrestlers out there, as you say, learn to sell. <laughs> because... Yeah, I, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm like, go watch Jeff Hardy. He has like four <laughs> moves he does. The rest of the time he gets the crap beat out of him. But he knows how to sell and he knows how to find that camera, you know. And they, Because they always told me, like, when you hit the mat, sell up. He goes, because they're not going to shoot your face when you're laying flat on your back. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, you mentioned some of these, uh, other matches that you've seen and that you were really impressed with. Uh, one thing that's great about the NWA is it really is old school. I mean, you're not seeing guys doing, you know, triple summer back fall, salts off the back top or up the top rope. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, just old school wrestling. Are you concerned when you see some of the other stuff that uh, people are doing out there in some of these independents that are just uh, dangerous? I think that there's really no other word for it. Does it concern you about what you see? To me, it's, you know, I don't want to say foolish, but it, it kind of is. You know, like I, I'm sure these guys are not making a lot of money and they're they're really putting their lives, you know, at risk, you know, because one wrong move, you know, especially all these people are starting to do. The Canadian Destroyer now, just to do it, backflip power driver. Like, yeah. like people don't understand. Like it don't take much to break your neck at yeah. all, you, you know. And then you see these guys like doing it off of you know a balcony or something as well. And I'm just like, you know, Terry Taylor taught me something very important. He goes, "You can be able to do those moves, but you don't do them until there's a red light paying you a lot of money." Yeah, that's that one of the things Terry Taylor taught me. I was just like. Oh, because I used to always take, like, just a bump on the concrete, just a hip toss. And he said, don't do that. He goes, you're killing your bump card. You're, you're right. back for no reason. He goes, he goes, not to say that, you know, this 100 people don't matter, but in the ram of your career, they don't matter, you know. So. When you talk about that bump card, how have you been able to, to do it so long? I mean, you're you're still doing everything in there. You don't, I don't see you pulling up on anything. Wrestler. Huh? I said, because I've been a tag team wrestler. And, and that's what I said. You know, uh, the good thing about being a tag team wrestler is you only have to take half the bumps. <laughs> so so you don't have to worry about, you know, all these other guys going out there in singles matches and just taking all these bumps and stuff when you're in a tag. You know, you, you, you can sometimes go all night without taking a bump. Oh, so you've taken half the bumps. So what, do you got another 15 years left in you? Well, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> But, you know, I, the funny thing is, is like I, I, I feel really good. You know, I don't ache or anything like that. So, 
you know, when that music hits, the adrenaline kicks in. I don't feel nothing anyways. You know, I just go out there and just have fun. You know, I, the good thing is I still get the, you know, the butterflies in the, in the stomach before I go out and stuff. And it's just, you know, it's, to me, it's just become fun now. Yeah. And, it, and, and really, that is the feeling around you guys is that you, you're really, really having fun. And uh, it's clear that Dave and Billy have a lot of plans for the NWA moving ahead. Uh, they launched a new program, the Circle Squared. Uh, what do you think of this new program and the opportunity it might give some of these uh, young talents out there? I, I think it's 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 really cool. It's almost kind of like a like like a tough enough show, you know, where where you know you can be from anywhere in the world if you can make it to Atlanta and and you know you can get put on. Uh, the circle square where you're seen by all these people as well as, you know, the wrestlers that are on it, you know, on the show as well, because, you know, we sit there and watch it or, and, you know, we'll tweet about it or, you know, whatever. And it, you, you can do nothing but good things for, you know, all these independent guys career. You know, and, and it, it is clear, as I said, they've, they've got, they've got plans and, you know, TV may be a part of that future. But uh, you're also seeing what can happen with, with on these social media platforms. Uh, what do you see ahead for the NWA and, and what's going on right now with what uh, what they're doing with, uh, you know, not just YouTube and, you know, these other platforms that are out there? You know, I, I think it's I think it's really cool that they're utilizing all these different social media platforms. And, you know, we usually have a meeting before each show and, and, and Dave breaks down all these I don't know how he gets these numbers or whatever. I'm just yeah. like, oh, you're just blowing my mind right now. He's like, well, at this time, with the, you know, I'm just like, oh, good Lord. But, you know, and and with Billy, you know, he's not just going to jump at some, you know, TV network uh, if they come to him. He, he's going to make sure it's the right fit for the NWA, you know, and, that, and that's what it's hard to explain to a lot of people is just because a TV network comes and offers Billy a time slot. doesn't mean he's going to take it. He's going to do what's best for the company. And, you know, he has this, uh, you know, 10, 20 year process, you know, and he's going to make sure that every, everything that he does moving forward is a step toward the right direction for another step. You know, he's just not, uh, you know, and I think with them doing the, this YouTube thing, it's, it's showing the, the entire world that, you know, this can work on this platform. And now, you know, I'm hearing that more people are coming to the NWA, you know, asking, well, what can we do to help? You know, now everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and, and help the NWA, which is a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys on the roster have been at it a while. They've, uh, had you know quite a path in professional wrestling, but I tell you, being there, it's it's like being around a bunch of kids. Do you feel that way that you're just uh, having you know some of the best, most fun you've had in the business? Yeah, I'm uh I'm known as a you know a big river anyways, and so like being around these guys, man, is just is just so much fun. You know, after after these last tapings, we had a a, a big party up in uh, yeah. like one of the rooms that you know the, the studio gave us and. You know, and I actually brought uh, my Xbox with me. And we're up I know. There. <laughs> you guys are playing off of the side. Yeah, you know, yeah. I brought my virtual reality. It's, I mean, and you know, we had pizza and beer. It's just, it's just a good atmosphere. And, and I think, you know, what Billy has and Dave has created is, you know, because it's one of those things where if you take care of the guys and they're having fun, they'll do anything in the world for you. 
Well, James, really, I want to I want to thank you for uh, for coming on, and and really, it's been just awesome uh, being a part of it. I'm looking forward to working with you more, but uh, really, it's it's just been so much fun to watch. I mean, even just to sit back and watch these shows and just see you guys having such a great time, it's it's been awesome. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I tweet out when I watch the show because my my three year old he sits there and watches it with me, so <laughs> and and he wants to get up and wrestle. So, uh, and my wife is like, no, he's not going to be a wrestler. He will. <laughs> He'll be the one out of my kids. Uh, folks, stay so tuned. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a good family experience that I get to experience with my kids as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, folks, stay tuned. There's a lot more coming your way from James Storm and the NWA and Power and so much more. Who knows what else they're going to put out there. But, James, thanks so much for coming on primetime. No problem. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it, man. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with James Storm. I certainly did. And, and what a road that he has traveled, man. All of the ups and downs along the way. And, uh, you know, he just kept going and uh, continued to find success, you know, wherever he went because he just worked his ass off. I mean, that's pretty much the, his story. And he, you know, has been everywhere uh, with all these organizations, including the WWE and uh really loved his stories. I loved his take on what he tells young wrestlers. And, you know, he says, if you're going to do this, if you're going to try and do this, man, go for it. You got to be all in. You, know, you can't be a weekend wrestler if you're going to do it. You know, get get trained well and then uh, go after it. And uh, just the, the, the other great stories, he, he talked about, you know, Kurt Angle, which was great. And... <laughs> I love what he said. You know, his his punches just killed him, and he got to the point. You know, he was told him, just 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 give me a shoot punch because uh, you know at least at least I know what's coming. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's done it all and been in the ring with some of the best, and uh, just a great conversation. I want to thank James Storm uh, for coming uh, on the uh, prime time with Sean Mooney. Um, you know, uh, if you've got downtime, if you're at home, once again, I remind you, you know, check out the library. There's If there's episodes you haven't uh, been caught up on or uh, check out a lot of the new content we're putting out. Every Monday, we're doing the watch-alongs uh, this week. Uh, I believe we've got another episode of Saturday Night's Main Event that uh, went up on Monday. And then, of course, original episodes on Wednesdays. And then the Vault episodes, the Network Classics um, uh, on Monday, that's Monday. But uh, the the uh, Vault episodes, where we pull an, an old episode that maybe you have not had the chance to listen to, and we put it out there. Those have done really well because, you know, we just uh, go right down the list and uh, give you a chance to, you know, just click right there and go to it. So check out those Vault episodes. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're doing a lot more video-wise. Maybe you're watching this. Um, because uh, we're doing Skype interviews where we're also including video with those. So when we do that, we marry these all together, and it's it's really been fun. And if you're a Patreon member, you're getting all of this, all this content early and ad-free. Uh, you can join us on Patreon for as little as $4.99 a month, and you get it all. And uh, you want to check out more, get more information. There's other tiers there. You can become a Mooney or a Legion of Who member. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Uh, follow us on um, Instagram and Twitter. That's real simple, too, at primetimemooney, at primetimemooney. And uh, you can email me, 
you know that uh, those that have emailed me, you know I answer you back, so uh, you can reach me, and I check that account pretty much every day uh, at primetimemooney at gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com. Uh, keep listening. If uh, you just are downloading the audio version of the, the podcast and you do it through Apple Podcasts, uh, we'd love to have you not only subscribe if you haven't done so already, but um, give us a five-star review and uh, a rating, rather, and a review. We'd love that. It helps us out a lot as far as spreading the word about the podcast, uh, people joining us, and then, of course, advertisers that uh, literally help us keep these lights on. So <laughs> if you go to Apple Podcasts, be sure and do that. Um, meantime, folks, just take care of each other. Take all this seriously. Uh, take care of your parents and your grandparents. And, uh, you know, just just uh, make sure that you're being considerate of everybody. That, to, you know, you're washing your hands. It's a pretty simple uh, thing to do. But, boy, it, it really does make a huge difference. Um, but, like I said, uh, just, just watch over each other. And we're all going to get through this. All right? Thanks once again for uh, tuning in. I'm Sean Mooney. And I am out.